You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. John, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's so good to have you on the program today. Oh, it's so great to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I've got something I'd like to read that you shared with me, and that is, in 2011, you sustained a near-fatal horsing accident that required two years of hospital care and 23 surgeries to recover from. Many of the doctors said that you wouldn't even survive this. But God spoke to you during the accident at the scene and told you he was going to use this for his glory, and he's been doing that. So, with that intro, John, please share about yourself, and we'll dive into this whole incredible story about the accident and what's happened since then. Uh, well, thank you, Brian. Uh, oh, my goodness, a little background. Grew up in church in Minnesota. Uh, went to church every every Sunday. I was part of the youth group, but never really connected to a personal faith. Uh, but it, I got to tell you, it laid a great foundation. And then through college, I was in college on a Navy scholarship, went in the Navy, became a, a fighter pilot, uh, flew F-14s and Desert Storm and Operation Southern Watch, and and then got out of the Navy and had this long career in business and technology and finance. And like you mentioned, in, in 2011, that's when everything changed because... When you're taken off the board like that in such a dramatic fashion, um, and everything was wiped out, Brian, finances, health, relationships. Uh, I mean, just when you're in a bed for two years, wow. our family dynamics. And then honestly, well, see, that was nine years ago. And the last nine years have been this unbelievable journey venturing into this this gift, right? The second chance, this gift at life that God gave me that, um, that I didn't know that I had before the accident, Brian, Mm. right? We, I always had the choice to write the script according to, um, what God wanted in his will and live in a life that was just fully alive, right? Full of joy. Um, but I didn't know that I had that choice. Um, until that happened. So what has transpired the last nine years is absolutely every part of my life uh, has been transformative. That's the quick summary. <laughs> what happened in that accident? Well, I was, invi- I was invited up to a retreat uh, for family talk. It's a ministry in Colorado Springs, just a small group, 14, 15 people. And I live in Denver and this is up in Montana. I get up to Montana, and the second day, we're going to go have lunch uh, at the back of the property and uh, get to know each other more and talk. And we're going to get there by taking a trail ride, which I thought was going to be really neat. I haven't been on a horse for a long time, and I was one of the first ones saddled, and I'm sitting on my horse, and he trots out into this big open space, Brian, um, and then all of a sudden, he just bolts, Mm. and he takes off, and I'm laying flat on my back, and his rump is pounding me in the shoulder blades. And I'm scared to death I'm going to get flipped off the back of this horse and get kicked in the head and and get killed. And so I do the one thing I can think of at the time, and that's to squeeze with my legs as hard as I can. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it at the time. I don't know. Are you a horse person, Brian? I'm not. 
Okay. Well, I'm not either. I didn't know that I was telling the horse to accelerate. Man, that dude, that dude found the afterburners, man. He he kicked into another gear and he lit off. And I'm finally get my weight back up on the saddle. And in front of me, about 60, 70 yards away, is a series of these uh, uh, paddocks that are made with these rolled steel beams. And we're heading straight at them. And so I try to get the horse to turn and he won't turn. And I try to get him to turn again and he won't turn. I try to get him to slow down. He, he would, he just kept going faster and faster and faster straight at this uh, fence line. Mm. I was absolutely incredulous. I, I could not even process what was happening right in front of the fence. I just remember like this moment of clarity, everything slowed down. And I remember thinking, this is not going to end well. And that's the last thing I remember. Wow. Um, people that were there who were watching said that he came into the fence and he, he bucked so hard coming into the fence. He flipped over, slammed into the fence rump first. And when he did that, he launched me Superman into the top steel beam mm. head first. I crushed uh, the entire left side of my skull. I, I broke eight teeth. I broke every bone in my skull, I think, except for my jaw and my right cheekbone and broke my neck. Uh, shattered my shoulder and uh, the next bar down crushed my rib cage and one of the broken ribs punctured my left lung. So I woke up on the ground after all this, people all around me holding down my head, shoulders, hips. I could hear him, hear him praying, hear him talking. I was up there with Dr. Dobson. It was his ministry. And Brian, I was in more pain than I could even describe. It was beyond my breaking point. You know that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah. Um, it's not true. I actually went and looked in scripture. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's a saying. <laughs> so I'm literally like, I mean, panic, fear, couldn't breathe, pain. I In the moment, I was absolutely uh, like, I, I didn't even know how to handle it. And all of a sudden, one of the guys externally said, hey, John, I just watched you look like you were just, you relaxed so completely, it looked like you were sinking into the ground. He thought he had just watched me pass away. It was in that moment, Brian, I was in God's presence. He was standing right next to me. And 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 the this love, pure love that was coming off of him, and it was emanating in waves, and it was rolling over me. And as soon as I felt it, the instant I felt it, I had one thought cross my brain, and I didn't even know how bad my body was crushed. And that was, I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this. I had never in my life experienced unconditional love. I knew in that moment, Brian, that anything and everything that I'd ever done in the past, good, bad, or otherwise, was not even relevant to the relationship that God had with me in the moment, personally, this wasn't just some general thing. This was between God and John, like a husband and a wife, that that familial relationship. And I was just laying there absolutely overtaken by this love. And this love had an, like, an, like a physical weight to it as it was like emanating. It was washing over me. Like when you're at the beach, mm-hmm. you know, at the edge of the sand as the waves are coming in and the waves are like washing over your body. It, it felt like that, like it was just washing over me. And as it washed over me, all that pain and panic and fear was completely taken away. It wasn't even a memory. It was like it had never happened. In the moment. In the moment. Like it is gone. 
And I'm that's that's what they saw externally was just me being released from this pain and, and panic and fear. And then and, and I almost want to say what was emanating this love, like this power. It's like this love is like the fabric of the universe. And I had this privilege to to be a part of it. And it almost had a color. I almost want to say purple, but that's that's not accurate. I, I wish I could put it in, in that part into words, the the feeling, the sight, the the sensations. And then as I laid there, I uh, heard his voice. And I'd never really heard God before to that point. And it was a voice that came from everywhere and nowhere. It was not to my ears. It was almost as like uh, everything around me was crying out in his voice. Wow. And almost like it was flowing through me right at the center, like right at the sternum, like mm-hmm. like this consciousness flowing through me as we were communicating or as really he was talking to me. And what he said was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And even though I was a church going guy, Brian, at the time, I didn't know that came from Romans. That's not really where my faith was. And then he said, John, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said this, and he said it with a almost a joy in his voice. It was not stern. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as soon as he said that, I knew with total certainty that my left eye was uh, and will be permanently blind, which it was. All the bones behind the eye socket shattered, and one of the bone shards severed the optic nerve to the brain. And mm. they didn't even figure that out medically till six months later. Wow. Um, yeah, they just thought there, it was from the you know the the brain injury. That, I mean, that was really bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying there on the ground, and God leaves. Thing. Somebody asked me later a, a couple good questions. First one is. Like, how did God show up? Like, did he like come down? Did he like, you know, pop in? Uh, What I realized as I thought about it, I think the Holy Spirit just kind of shared, gave me the knowledge. It was like, no, God had always been there, was there. He is there with me now. What he did is he just revealed his presence in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, here's me, a simple guy. And to realize that the God of the universe that created everything that does everything and is everywhere cared about me individually. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It, that is the part that I had never connected with that and unconditional love. Cause I know what I had done, Brian, over my life is as, as I went to church and read scripture and did studies, I still had this, I would impart on uh, God, the nature of human relationships yeah, of my family, of people around me that, yeah, you know, it, I get it, right? It's grace and it's a gift and unconditional love. And, but you know what, me, I, I've done some stuff I'm not proud of. And I just don't, I just never felt like I was the guy that those scriptures were speaking to. Mm-hmm. And to realize that I was, and we all are was absolutely to understand in a moment, the true nature of God as a friend, as a father, as somebody who loves me, who wants the best for me, regardless of my understanding of the circumstances I'm in or what I've been through. I mean, that's why he said all things work together for good. And honestly, it was that scripture as the next two years were brutal. You know, we heard from many doctors, what happened, like you said, was not survivable. I woke up actually and 
after God left him. And uh, there was a paramedic kneeling next to me as a woman. She'd been a paramedic for 30 years. She's also a believer. And I said to her, I said, God, sir, you don't have to worry. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and she just started shaking her head because she told me later, she goes, listen, I didn't, it was going to be an hour until life flight, the helicopter could get up to this ranch. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. She, she did not, she had no expectations that I would even survive because she's seen accidents like this before until the life flight even got there. And in that hour, Brian, do you know that I was in no pain? No pain. I carried on conversations with people there. They were like, she's like, what is going on here? Now, I did repeat some questions. You talked about my my buddy, Steve, uh, who was there, Steve Ryder. Mm-hmm. He says it was like your brain was rebooting. You were repeating some questions. I kept asking about like, why are all my teeth broken? And they would explain it to me. Well, you got thrown into a fence. And then five minutes later, I'd ask again. And then 10 minutes later. And as a matter of fact, I was acting so normal. They called my wife and said, hey, John got thrown up a horse and you need to come up here to Montana to bring him home. And, you know, I think, you know, I think it looks like he's going to be okay. They get me to the hospital after the life flight, do a CT scan. And then they, they, doc comes out with the news, call my wife and say, Hey, uh, you need to get up here, um, right away. And you need to bring the kids because it doesn't look good. Uh, they honestly didn't think I was going to survive through the next 24 hours. Wow. And my kids got up that, you know, they were there able to get there that next, actually not until that next afternoon. And that started a very, very long journey back to what I'm doing now. You said something that I would love to ask you a question about. And that is, in that moment, you felt the overwhelming love, and I'm going to use the word friendship, Mm -hmm. of God. And he never left you. You just weren't sensing that presence that's always there. So there's this chasm between our daily experience and where we'd love to walk with God on a daily basis, right? Yes. What has been thus far your experience in closing the gap in that chasm? You know, one word comes to mind, Brian, and that's the word abide. And if you search the Bible for the word, abide it is i mean it's all over the place and what does that really mean that god wants to us to abide constantly in his presence what i did afterwards like i had never read the bible cover to cover before i i wanted to understand two things was my quest coming out of this accident i wanted to learn more about father god i read the book the bible cover to cover actually i couldn't read because of my accident, but I, I listened to it on audio. That's how I got hooked on podcasts and audiobooks. But think about this. You sit down in the morning and you just pull out your journal. Instead of doing a Bible study, what I do now is I just kind of see where God points me. And maybe I'll read an entire chapter of Luke and then I'll I'll go back and, and just see, hey, where did the Holy Spirit kind of point me toward? Mm-hmm. There's a couple of verses in here that just seem to be standing out for some reason. And then I'll I'll pray into that and I'll look at other verses, right? I'll use a concordance or, you know, what other verses speak to that? And what is, what did the original words mean in Greek? And it's like, I'm sitting there having this conversation through scripture and the Holy Spirit nudging me into areas and in doing that, oh my, it's, it's been like the most amazing season of being mentored, coached, discipled mm-hmm. by 
um, Father God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and, but you know what it takes to do that is, uh, I'll never forget, we were sitting around a fire pit with a whole bunch of guys. My son uh, dropped out of college into the year with YWAM overseas. Mm-hmm. And he's 22 at the time. And there was a guy there in his 40s. said, you know, I, you know, that's cool for you, but I have never heard from God. And you know, like, I, how do you hear from God? And my son spoke up and he goes, well, how much time do you spend with him? <laughs> he goes, you know what, if you, you know, let's just say somebody, you know, in business, right. And you haven't seen him in five years. And all of a sudden you need a favor. You need a connection. You, you need some capital and you go up to him and have an appointment. You know, it's it's awkward, mm-hmm. right? You haven't talked to him in five years. Now, the good thing is for God, there's no awkwardness there because he just loves us so much. And what John told this guy is, you know what? Why don't you just start spending time every day not praying about what you want, right? And I think that's been also an evolution in my prayer life, right? Early through my my Christian walk, the prayers were my desires, things I wanted, things I wanted to accomplish in business, my goals, my plans. And then I started praying instead of that, God, what's your will for John, right? Show me that and I'll make the plans and do the work around that. Mm -hmm. And then it's matured even past that. And that is Brian, Lord, reveal your will in the world and what you are already doing. What are you doing in the lives of uh, life of Brian? What are you doing in the life of people in this audience? What are you doing in the and the customers that our business touches and show me what I need to do that small step that I need to take today to better serve you. And I got to tell you, some of those for me have definitely been a big gap. He's had me step into some situations as his ambassador, his representative. I felt completely and wholly unequipped, right? Mm-hmm. So talk about a crisis of faith. I'm like, you know, why, why, how am I here doing this right now? Please share an example of that. Well, here's an example. You know, I got into coaching, Brian, mm-hmm. and I was asked to, um, I got, ref- there was a CEO of a Fortune 100 company, um, who very well-known guy here in the Denver area. And they had decided he was going to get coaching for him and his leadership team. Now, I have been part of a you know, management team of a public company, but I have never sat in that corner office. Mm-hmm. He built this company from scratch, took it public, and it's a this company is a household name. I'm driving down to this place absolutely overwhelmed with imposter syndrome. Hmm. Like, who am I to coach this guy? I have never had that experience. How can I add value? I'm setting myself up for failure. This is just going to be embarrassing. I'm going to meet with this guy. He's going to tear me apart. And I realized, you know what? In that moment, uh, it was just clear to me that was the enemy attacking. Yeah. So I pulled into the parking garage and I just sat there and I prayed. What I heard was, relax, I got this. That was it. I decided in that moment that I'm going to just trust God that I'm here as his ambassador. Whatever happens, whether I get hired or not, right? I was putting my pressure on me, right? How do I, you can see with the the era, the focus changed, right? Mm-hmm. I was focused on me. Mm. I was focused on how I was going to look, how I was going to be perceived. And in that moment, when he said that to me, I let everything go. And I just said, God, what do you want me to do here? And it was just to show up. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget. I'm sitting in the lobby and I, I was so relaxed. And they come down like, you know, you're like, hey, sure, come on. We <laughs> have this amazing conversation, Brian. He ends up hiring me. I'm like, what? I'm like, that's not what I expected the outcome to be. I'll be honest. 
<laughs> right? And, you know, God's will be done, right? Even if I might have had some, a little bit of doubts in the back of my head. Yeah. Now, through that, this guy is not a believer. And six months into it, we'd had some amazing progress in every element that he'd asked us to work on. And everything I do when I come in there, right, everything's coming from a biblical perspective. I'm just not talking about scripture in a company where, you know, that's not their culture. Sure. And he asked me, he goes, where's all this stuff coming from? Right. Like, we're getting all these results. I've heard some of this stuff before, but it's working. And I said, well, I don't think you really want to know because I knew this guy was not a not only not a believer, but he was not a fan of Christians. Uh-huh. How's that? I'll just put that politely. And um, he didn't like that. You know, a Fortune 100 CEO didn't like that response. And so I said, well, everything I'm sharing with your team and you is coming straight from the Bible, and it's based on my relationship with Jesus. Come on. You just straight up said it. Oh, yeah. He's just <laughs> staring at me like yeah. his head's cocked to the side. And, and I'm I'm just sitting there like, I'm like, I don't care if I get fired. I believed walking into that meeting, it was the whole reason I was there. And I said, can I tell you a story? And he said, sure. So I tell them the entire story, like I told you about the horse accident. And I even went more in depth about what it's meant to me, my faith, where I was before. At the end of that meeting, Brian, he folded his hands and put his his chin on his two fingers sticking up and said, interesting. And in that moment, dude, I felt that same joy and love that I felt at the accident. (laughs) It was like the room was filled with angels and they were rejoicing because I had come and done what I had been asked to do. And that was it. That was the end of the meeting. And I walked back to the elevator. It was like I was walking through uh, this joy. And I was like, I was so excited because that was my last conversation I've ever had with him. But I know that in that moment, that was a piece of God's plan, his will in that person's life. He never stops reaching out to the lost. Mm -hmm. And I had a small part to play in that. But that taught me so much about just trusting God in everything, because that was actually one of the most difficult clients that I, uh, in just in general, that I ever worked with. And there was times where I just wanted to quit. And I think that a lot of that was coming in just different attacks, like mm-hmm. trying to get me out of there because I was in there as Christ's ambassador. And uh, God had prepared the territory and gave me the this privilege, this honor to be the the his representative. Yeah. What a full circle moment after the accident, huh? Yeah, completely. Totally. So let's talk about the details that you shared with him. Let's dive into some of those of what this accident meant to your faith and the the trajectory of your life that was radically shifted because of it. Well, you know, a big part of that comes down to identity, uh, Brian, our identity in Christ. I didn't understand that as a concept. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about this. I'm I'm recovering in in I was fi- in ICU for five weeks before they moved me down to Craig Hospital. I was there for 20 months with that severe brain injury. In ICU, I had post traumatic amnesia, so I have three memories. But one of them is the neurosurgeon comes in. They have to take off my skull to fix everything. Mm-hmm. He's explaining what's going to happen, and what I'm hearing is the chances of this being a good outcome are, are not good. And he asked my wife if we have, if John has a will and more importantly, a living will. Um, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't want to do surgery until you go, you know, get that stuff up here, you know, for our, our team to have. So they both leave the room to go do that. I'm laying in bed alone. Even though I just had this encounter with God, I was convinced in that moment where I was that next weekend was my funeral. And I started playing the tape. And what does everybody say at the front of the church? They all say nice stuff. 
right? And yeah. that's what you do. And I started imagining what would be the real conversations at the back of the church when people are rooting around for the fried chicken and potato salad. And what might they say a year or two later about me, my impact on their life and my kids? And I got to tell you, in that moment, I was so convicted about who I had been in my life up to that point. Everything about my identity at that point, Brian, was external. Where I got my validation, where I got my affirmation, what I was pursuing. I call it the tyranny. When you when your identity is not, is is one of your own making versus that transformation that happens when you have an identity in Christ, you are subject to the tyranny of they. And that is, what do they expect? Mm. How do they define success? How do they think I should show up? How do they think I should talk and act? And that defined my life. And I think, you know, in my book, I describe it prior to the accident of this place of just smoldering discontent. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, like, hey, I've been given a second chance. If I get this second chance and I have this chance to rewrite my script, how do I want to be known? And I'll never forget, I, I was sitting down with my coach, Jeff Spatafore, from the Halftime Institute, an amazing human that w walked with me through this whole journey. And I said to him, um, I said, you know what? I got to figure out how I'm wired. And then I can figure out what I can do next. Because at that time, um, two and a half years now after the accident, I could still only work eight to 12 hours a week. I'd had no income that whole time. Financially, we'd been zeroed out. I'd, my network was dormant. I mean, I'd been in a bed, basically, or recovering from a surgery. And, and I couldn't go back to work. I tried. I, I could not work full time. And so I was seeking, what is this assignment? What is this calling? What's my purpose? Why, you know, I got to give meaning to this second chance. And Jeff asked me a really great question. He said, John, what if you think about that differently? Instead of asking yourself how you're wired, why don't you ask yourself, how did God wire you? And what did he wire you for? Mm -hmm. And Brian, for me, that was a shift into even a deeper dive into un trying to, to understand to, I think, some of the most important questions as Christians we can seek. And that is, one, what is our understanding of the nature of God? And what is our relationship to him? And number two, who does God see when he looks at us? Not who we see when we look in the mirror. And what I found was, for me, as I understood this, the gap between who I saw in the mirror and the, and the person God saw was pretty massive. And I think the bigger that gap, and this is why I was in that place of smoldering discontent, the bigger that gap is, the more stress we feel, anxiety, it's harder to make a decision. We constantly feel ambiguity and uncertainty and discontent. And as I worked at closing that gap through some amazing discipleship from God, Holy Spirit, from people around me, all that stuff honestly faded away and melted away. And as I became, because think about it, everybody talks about the Ephesians 2.10 calling, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's even, that's, what, that's how we refer to that verse. But the first part of that verse is that you are Christ's perfect workmanship. And what if I accept that at face value? What if I accept that right now, sitting here, broken, in pain, limited because of my brain injury, no finances, that I am perfectly suited to do the works that he has prepared for me, the good works that he has prepared for me. They're right in front of me. There are no dependent events. I don't have to go get ready to get ready. I don't have to heal more or get better or get gooder at a certain skill. Yeah. 
And I got to tell you, it was in that was like this amazing freedom that allowed me to step into, you know, God says in John 10, 10, right? That I came to give you life. And so that you may live it to the full. And here's my example of that. I, I think of Paul, is it Paul and Silas who just got beaten for casting out the demons, right? Caned, which is brutal. And they're thrown into the pit of a Roman jail. Can you even imagine just the sights and smells and sounds of a Roman jail? And you're shackled to the wall. And what do they do? They break out in praise songs. Yeah. Now, if this was on a scale of one to 10, that'd be a 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a one would be, you're just barely hanging on. And I got to tell you, when I really looked at that soberly after the accident on that scale, I would have put myself at about a two. And you know what? It just opened up a just an ocean of possibilities uh, for me. But even though I'm still not where I was at all physically uh, before the accident, I'm still dealing with stuff. And I just, and right now I'm struggling. I'm on oxygen right now. I had, I was in ICU for COVID. It, it did a number to my lungs and my heart. So this has been an interesting season. But once again, in all this, I just see God's will. And I trust him that all things will work together for good, uh, even if I might not in the moment understand it. I was actually journaling this morning, and the Lord reminded me of the scripture. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Mm-hmm. And the Lord had me underline the word for, F-O-R, about four times. Mm. And he said, think about that. It was for freedom that I set you free. And that's something we cry out for. I do. Constantly, I'm thinking of, ah, just if I had more freedom. Well, you do. It's all there. It's just like it was there in the accident. It's there now. And the freedom I'm seeing, tell me if you align with this, is, as Brendan Manning says, ruthless trust that God is for us, working it all out for our good. I love what you said, right? Ruthless trust. And, you know, trust is a choice. And just think about the people in our life that we truly, truly trust. Mm-hmm. I'll guarantee you, I'd be willing to bet that you trust them because you know them. And that's why for me, seeking and understanding God's true nature and really connecting to that allowed the trust that we had that started in with a huge jump start at the action just continued to grow. And if we don't know somebody, uh, how do we trust them? Yeah. So well said. Now, as you consult with companies, what do you find from an 80-20 perspective bubbling up as one of the top issues you tend to address in the lives of the people you coach? Well, think about this, right? I'm, I, I'm in the leadership coaching industry. That's, what I, that's who I work with. And what I have found, and we've been taught this, by this whole leadership industry is to focus on the why and the what and the how. And those things are incredibly important, but there's something missing. And it's, and that is who we are. Because think about it, Brian, let's just say I said, Hey buddy, would you mentor me? And I could take your best advice, your best coaching. But if I'm taking that and I'm running it through a flawed person with my anger issues, with my limiting beliefs, with my, all the stuff that I'd maybe let in over my life that are not true, maybe that other people said about me, but I've started to accept it as truth. Mm -hmm. And that is now how I see the world and show up in situations. I am not going to get the results that maybe you've gotten yourself or you've gotten with other clients. Sure. And 
that is where we start. Yeah, we focus on the team and the or you know the organization and the organizational goals and the team and the team dynamics. What I have found every single time, if you want to radically transform a company and you want your result, and I can show you every client we've worked with, the measurable results, whatever it is, profit, revenue, retention, turnover, anything you want to look at, just goes up and up to where it's supposed to be. When people start showing up as better versions of themselves, because if I'm working with a leader and they get a little bit better, and guess what? And this is what I challenge them to do is as you're on this journey, go help somebody, go help your team. I'm going to give you the tools and show you how to help your team be a little bit better. And if you can be better and your team can be better as just people and what you do and how you interact and how you communicate and cast vision and all these things, because it all flows from there, how you interact with those people that you typically disagree with or don't like, there's a reason that, that that's a problem for you. We actually need to root some of that stuff out. Uh, look it in the face and address it. How do you deal with working with or talking with people that do not share your core beliefs? We're seeing it all the time on both sides, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, I was challenged a few years ago by a mentor of mine to go sit down once a month with somebody that I share nothing with in common, have completely different political views on almost everything and just have a conversation with them. And what I have found through not only that, but working all over the world, Brian, is that I believe that everybody has a, you know what, people have a good heart and they want to be liked and they want to do meaningful work um, and they want to have great relationships. Mm -hmm. And in that, you can always find common ground when you actually seek to see the unique value in each person versus trying to put them in a box, which... I know has has been a habit of mine my whole life, and it's something I'm working really hard to break. I'm with you on that. <laughs> you know, John, it seems that your mantra is helping people identify the next step they can take in their life to move forward. Is that fair? It is, because here, here's something I found, Brian, and I think this is the big idea, the whole thing behind why I even wrote my book, and that's this. when You know that whole sense of purpose and calling? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I and I was seeking for it. I was never connected to it. I, I was back in flight school when I was seeking to get those gold wings. And after that, I kind of lost. I didn't have anything I think that was really worthwhile verse to pursue other than what I thought I should. Um, as I stepped into that better version of myself, um, it was like that that sense of purpose and calling, which had been a mystery to me was now right in front of me, clear as day, perfect clarity. And what I realized my whole life is I've been going about it backwards. I've been seeking purpose without working on not only myself, but my relationship with the Lord and how he saw me. Mm. And honestly, that is one of the biggest things I'm sharing with people is when you work on those two big questions, who's the nature of God and and who did he create you to be? What to do next? Um and how to do it and why to do it, it's not going to be some brain-damaging exercise you do at a retreat. It's going gonna, it's gonna to flow. I was bound and determined to find my purpose, so I went on a fast. And I was seven days into my fast, water only, and I, I was going to gut it out till I, <laughs> until I heard God tell me what my purpose was. Wow, that's commitment. And then... I'm at a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party 
with one of my kiddos and my wife and the other kids. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going to have any pizza. I still don't have clarity on my purpose. And the Holy Spirit said when the pizza came out, Brian, have a piece of pizza. You've made finding your purpose an idol. It's over. Mm. Wow. I was kind of wrecked from that. And what he did was kind of flip upside down, you know, the worship of purpose and put it in a more proper perspective. That just flows out of, as you stated, the relationship you have with the Lord Jesus. It doesn't go the other way around. You can't determine your purpose in a vacuum without prioritizing that relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And you, and you know what else, Brian? Something, this is maybe more my opinion than anything else. But as I read the Bible, one of the things that I noticed was that, you know, these big assignments, Moses, Jacob, Abraham, were actually a bit far and few between if you actually look at all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, a lot of us, especially like me, I felt like, well, you know, what's my assignment? And I think the biggest calling that every one of us had is is very simple, right? It's to love God with all our heart and to love others. Yeah. Right? And it says, right, I want you to be my ambassador. What is an ambassador, right? It's an ambassador, somebody that represents their that sovereign nation, the kingdom, as well as they can. And I think just resting in that and then whatever's on your heart to do, whether you're an engineer or you run an HVAC company or you have skills for leadership, wherever you're at right then in that moment, you can shift the perspective and say, okay, what if I was here at work on a mission trip? What if this, you know, let's say I signed up a mission trip at church and they said, okay, here's your mission field. You're not going to Guatemala. You're going back to work. Mm -hmm. What if you just showed up with that mindset that I'm actually here for these, for this week, Monday through Friday on a, I'm here every day as an ambassador and I'm just keeping that front of mind. Would we do things differently? That's so good. Would we have different conversations? Would we maybe show up differently? Would we be more um, aware? Are we praying before we even hit send on an email or before we have a sales meeting, whatever it happens to be? And I think, you know what? That is like this mindset. When we show up in that way and we're seeking God's will versus stuff for us, then he's going to show us, hey, how to partner with him in all these little moments and all of a sudden you you'll end that week going, man, I've never had such a good week at work and I was about to quit, man. I'm, I'm never leaving this place. That's so good. Well, before uh, you pray here, how can people find out more about you, your book? I'm everywhere on social media, just John Ramstead, R-A-M-S-T-E-A-D. And I'd love for folks out there to pre-order the book. We're really trying to create a movement around who people are, how they lead, how they value others and connecting to what's really important in life. And just go to beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. You can pre-order the book there. I would be so grateful if people pre-ordered the book. And then when it comes out on April 27th, go into Amazon or wherever you buy your book and leave us a review. I wrote the book, Brian, very specifically because the mission field God has led me into, like that company, that story I told you, Mm -hmm. is not not ministries and, and kingdom companies. He has led me into working with the the more secular business world. And I wrote the book very intentionally so that I could hand it to a Fortune 100 CEO or a general at the Pentagon, which are my clients, and they could hand it to their whole team. That God would be represented in there, but nobody would, nobody would say, oh, we can't read this. 
I'm in. I'm going to get a copy. The name of the book is? On Purpose with Purpose, Discovering Your Best Life. Great. On Purpose with Purpose. So go to Amazon, pre-order that, and please pray for our listeners, John. Thank you. Oh, dear Lord, everybody out there right now who's listening to this, um, regardless of when they listen to this, you knew they were. You knew they were going to hear this conversation. You are right there, Lord, uh, standing next to them. It says in Ephesians 4 that you are above us, that you are next to us. You're also enthroned in us. I want everybody, Lord, I just pray for everybody out there to just feel your presence. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that they're there to feel your love. Lord, I just pray that you reveal your will to them, that you reveal your love, that they know when they look up, they can just see you smiling at them with love that doesn't care about their past, that they're accepted. And dear Lord, I just pray for everybody out there that you just show them today the next small step that they need to take to move them closer to you and closer to the calling and the purpose you have in front of them. Lord, I I just pray that you show them what it looks like to be called friend by you and that they just know that everything in life, as we go through this, it all works together. And Lord, just thank you for being with them and, and just bringing more and more people into your family. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Such an honor to have you on the program today. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to share, man. I, I just love the work you're doing and this whole community and uh, you're just doing good work, brother. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.